2: back to Celtic State of Mind Tuesday afternoon bulletin different makeup this week, I'm joined by Paul John, Brian, gents Um, this is my regular slot so I suppose it should be me saying welcome to both of you Um, I've had two late call-outs Patrick will be joining you tomorrow so don't worry, if you are missing him you'll get your fix on him tomorrow gents, how how are we doing? It's still deep dark World Cup just now, Um, we're nearly out the group stages Um, the end is In sight, we're coming to the end of November Um, Celtic will be returning I think in less than three weeks' time now Which I think we're all excited about But um, how are you both Holding up just now?
3: I'm alright, I mean, I'm glad you said it's different makeup Because obviously in the studio Sometimes you do need to be made up I don't know about you Brian, the lighting's no great in this studio But um, thanks for that Anyway, a couple of late call-offs for you Declan You'll be feeling like Stevie Clark, mate
2: Yeah, aye, absolutely Um, Although I think Natasha and Lawrence are Worry me a wee bit more than maybe a Stevie O'Donnell or whoever else maybe would put a Scotland side. So nothing to worry about there. Um, And I think able substitutes, so we should be cool for today. Um, Our tagline there, as Andrew about to get bold with departures in January transfer window, we want to talk about that because it's going to be fast paced. We usually have that winter break in January when we can let the the rumours roll, but we'll be here. It'll be game by game um, because we've got some catching up to do. To the World Cup, so I think rumor all time is just now Celtic. have already completed a signing, a shocker out the blue. I, I think even though we, we knew it was near enough going to happen, and it looks if we're going to complete a, a double signing, so we also want to talk about Celtic's scouting and maybe still looking at leagues that's potentially um, in our favor to be shopping. Um, but but Paula, what to start? And Bell sell Saturday. I know you gave it a plug yesterday when you were on with Liam. Um, both you and I were fortunate enough to, to attend the event. Um, a massive shout-out to, to Eddie Linus, who I know has been in a Celtic state of mind along with Frank. If you've not listened to that, check it out. Um, I was uh, invited along with Eddie. Um, and that's the left there. Uh, I invited along with Eddie on Saturday to the, the statue unveiling it, and it was always good to see a lot of familiar faces, Celtic legends. and It was a, a special day, Paul, and I think you what know, we'd said before in here, about statues to Celtic legends and, you know, no bigger a legend than Billy McNeil. And something I was talking to John McKenna about, who did the statue, uh, there's very little people in the UK who have actually got two statues. Jimmy Johnson's one of them. Um, if anybody else is on the Google just still let it's know who else has got two statues. But there's a be interesting facts, this one.
3: I think it just shows you the the impact that both men had. And it's not just on Celtic. You've just got to think of European football. Um, that obviously there there are certain areas of the British mainstream press who would overlook that I I just um, I've got this massive archive of stuff at at home and I was going through these old magazines and it's you know, the types of world soccer and four four two and when they whenever they do the big polls, Declan, they always overlook um our our greats. They seem to always overlook the iconic Celtic players that have done so well. Dal Gleesh is always in these lists, you know, top hundred players of all time, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, uh, because he done it in England. But Big Billy, Jimmy Jimmy Johnson, no surprise that that, that there's two statues for each of the men. And the the key for me, and I was at the um <clears throat> the Bobby Lennox one as well back in, uh, I think it was maybe three or four years ago now. 2018, November
2: 2018.
3: 2018, Around about the same time of year now. Yeah, and and it was the same sculpture, I believe, and he's unbelievable. I mean, this is always a big worry. I said this yesterday, Brian. You're just thinking back to the Ronaldo statue, right? And you're waiting for that, uh, you know, the unveiling of it, and then you see this unbelievable monument standing there. And I saw it from a really good angle. I was just standing, I think, behind you to the right, and just and, Big Billy was standing there. It was incredible. Um So anybody in the area, anybody who
2: visits Bells Hill, driving through it, go and have a look at it. It's stunning. Yeah, it's an absolute belter. Um Right away, I was standing beside John Clark when it that came off and I thought, who may be better to know Billy playing with him than John, and right away I said to him, I said, what do you think? He said, absolute cracker. So his former teammates um were impressed by it. And yeah, I think... Ronaldo statue is something that probably still maybe haunts people when they're, they're getting a statue. Um, Where is
3: that, by the way? Is that actually I think in, it's in Madeira? Madeira. Oh, it's in right. Madeira.
2: I think um, if it's still there, that is, and it's maybe not been taken down for scrap metal or whatever because it's not a, a likeness at all um, to, to Cristiano. But Brian, um, even though maybe you know not at the event and whatnot, um, I'm sure you saw coverage on it and photographs and whatever else. It's just always nice to, to see. All, to me, all your faces that, that Billy both played with and managed, Pat Bonner and, and Frank McIverney were there, Mark Reed too, and Graham Sinclair. Um, it's just always nice to, to, to see these kind of things because so many times, like your own family or whatever, maybe the only time you see them is in, in sad occasions. So it's always good when it's a, a joyous occasion when everybody's brought together.
4: Yeah, and do you know what's incredible about it? I've been kind of thinking about this the past uh, past few days. Like, I don't think anyone can quite appreciate how monumental a statue someone building a statue of you is. I mean, that's it's there forever. I mean, it's, you know, for Billy, he's in the hearts of Celtic fans forever. He's also he's in the club history. But to actually have a statue is is just really quite incredible. Like for his family, if he's grandkids, great grandkids, whoever, it's it's just an amazing thing. And I think it it speaks to not only the reverence he's held in terms of what he done as captain of Celtic, but it's the, the type of person he was as well, and the same way, same way Jinky. And it's like, it's part of what makes Celtic such a, I'm always, you know, telling people this, um, down south, I'm chanting about Celtic, and I'm so proud to talk about it, because, the the makeup of Celtic, and how we came to be, and, and what we stand for as a club and stuff, and, our most legendary team, and our most legendary figures, are all great human beings as well, that, that, are appreciated by families and people can say, oh, this is Big Billy, this is what he does, the type of guy he was. And that's incredible. It's not just their, their football capabilities, it's what they presented as a whole. And, and there's no many clubs in the world that have players, statues everywhere, that, that have that sort of special sort of significance. Um, and I just think it's, it's just such a, an incredible thing. And it really sets Celtic apart. And Jim and I were having a, a rant over the past few weeks about the, the sort of the money side of football and how it sort of takes the, the football away from people, almost. Mm-hmm. It's just like Celtic, what we have, it's so much more than that. It's not about money, it's not about this and success. It's no Man City where there's sheets owning it and sending players in 500 grand a week. It's it's Celtic Football Club and wherever you go in the world, you can meet somebody. It's incredible and it's it just sort of, it was emblematic of everything I love about Celtic. Mm-hmm. That's that, in a way. And I just think yeah. it really turns up
2: why the club's so so special and so different from everyone else. Yeah, but that's been something in um, Alistair Johnson's comments but we'll get on to, You know, came across Victor Wanyama playing in the same team and his compliments from Victor, who was obviously at Celtic for not, not too long a time, but, but under Neil Lennon, you know, it couldn't be any more compliment to the club. I think Alistair Johnson says that he's the best agent that Celtic could get. So that, you know... Speaks volumes to that, you know. Someone who probably knew very little about the club, you know, growing up in Kenya, then then, then coming to, to European football when he was in Belgium before making the trip to Scotland. So,
3: you tell me that, he didn't play Sabuti, oh, and he never picked a green nah. and white hoop, Steclan.
2: And, and... Nah. no, no, nah. I, I think I think maybe a love a Man United man, big Victor, never grown <laughs> up, but I'm sure he's got it in his heart right now. But I, I think, Paul, you know, what Brian was saying there, it's important in terms of the community as well. And that was something. That it's on one of the plaques beside the statue. Um what Billy McNeil signifies not just as a football player but, you know, in terms of community, what Bells Hill is. You know, a, a lot of Lithuanian people went into Bell's Hill um during um, migration times in Scotland. And it's important to remember that. And, and you know that, that links to the very foundations of Celtic Football Club itself. Totally.
3: I mean we were there, Declan, uh, separately, but we we were there to film the event. And um, we got a chance to speak to yourself, um, Eddie, who has obviously worked tirelessly with his committee to get the thing done. Um, and a few ex-players who played, uh, I was going to say under Billy, but uh, Tommy Boyd never actually played under Billy McNeil. But uh, Billy did try to sign him from Motherwell, by the way, before he went to mm. Chelsea. But we got a couple of ex-players in as well and we're just chatting away. And that was what the discussion I had with Eddie. I, I says to him, you know... I, when I mentioned the the statue in in Fife, um, which is Jim Baxter at Helabith, and you drive into Helabith, and I'm not being disparaging to the area, but it's not got a great deal going for it, guys. You know, it's just one of these uh, working class areas, and, and you drive in, and there's this statue of of Jim Baxter. If anybody's not seen it, it's it's stunning. And it's basically like he's in a pose that's quite nonchalant because he was a silky, silky player looking down on everybody that actually enters that wee village in fife. And, you know, there's going to be kids growing up who, you know, the, the outlook can be quite bleak in these places. And then they might ask their dad or their granddad, who is this fella? And then they learn that actually, you know, if you are dedicated enough in uh, your sport, in politics, whatever it could be, because I've seen boxers, I've seen politicians with statues, I've seen um, musicians with them, um, then it is doable, regardless of your upbringing, regardless of your background, uh, where you're from. Um, And I think that when you see them in the hometowns, that's quite special. I love the statues up at Celtic Park, don't get me wrong, but I think when it's in a wee village or or a wee um, area that, you know, there's maybe not a great deal going for it. It's like a shining beacon of ambition and success and and achievement, and I think that's important.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Sorry, no, takes more
4: significance. And sorry, that, Brian. That on you, recently, go. you know, you know, Kevin, you and know, I, like we all say, well, the romantic romantics on, and <laughs> um, and it's. I, I was telling my missus, although she was she's Irish, but she's not about football, was she's not interested. But I was talking about Celtic recently. I was talking about the story of the it eh, was formed, but in the Lisbon lines and incredible achievement that is, and she said, why has that never been a movie? And I says, I know it's, it's Hollywood stuff, and it goes to what you're saying, it's it's inspiring to everybody, because it's a group of guys from Glasgow, you know, working class boys, done well, and, and literally, won the greatest prize in football, probably, especially at club level, mm-hmm. and they've done it, and it have never been replicated ever. And you're talking about, not being represented in the media, that's never spoken about enough, is that that was all guys, fate the surrounding areas. Do you know what I mean? And there will never, ever be a team of all Spaniards at Barcelona or all English at whatever club that win it. And it's so incredible, and it just it ties back to what we we're saying. It's it's just so important. It always excites me talking about it. I mean, I know everybody that's watching this knows, but it's just it, it's, it's just such a good feeling to, to talk about these things. I think. No, just
3: uh, it is. It's totally. Uh, and by the way, you've you've reminded me, Brian, of one of the best things. I remember reading and it was like 10 years ago and it's never ever come to fruition but there was chat around Daniel Day Lewis um, considering a major role in a film about Celtic and the film was going to be called Paradise and I think it was written by Peter Mullen and I just remember it it was in the mainstream press at the time Talking about that film, so you're right, it's got it's cinematic, it's got the proper Hollywood uh, feel about it, and it has been considered. But as you know, because I know you're into film, Brian, these things might come back, they might come back to roost. Who knows? I hope it it
2: does. You never know, you never know. Um, just like you know, our charity single, Paul, a a song that went disappearing through the years, so you you Mm. never know who might pick up that. Um, there's plenty of talented people out there in the Celtic world that might just do that. But, you no, know, I think there's a lot in terms of identity, community and culture and what you both say. Um, and there's a few people coming in the comments here. Daniel's coming in to say, still think we need a statue of Fergus. What he done for our club should never be forgotten. I, I know from some chats that he's had with people that I don't think he's too fond of the idea of a statue. I don't think he he's too keen on it. But even again, Paul, you know, if you think of Fergus McCann, you know, from Croy, I think it would take so much more significance for him. Um, t- to have one, probably there, you know. I know the great Jimmy Quinn also came from Croy, but to me, that would just be a lot more significant. Um, I think Fergus was something like the youngest treasurer of a bus at thirteen or something back in the day. Is that right? Yeah,
3: aye, absolutely. And um, it's no surprise to anybody who was in and around that Croy Celtic supporters club that he went on to achieve what he did as a businessman because apparently he was switched on from a very, very young age. He used to run the place um, at thirteen. <laughs> Run the finances by, and everything,
2: you know. That must be why the chapel's so good looking with the old uh, plates going around, putting in doubles. So it must have maybe helped the old father up there too. So you never know. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's important to, to give a shout out to the, the Billy McNeil Commemoration Committee. As I said, they've been on before. If you've not listened to it, check it out. And if you are in the area of Bells Hill, go and have a look at it. It's magnificent. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. I don't think any... Celtic fan was there in the Darius family um, were too, so a nice fitting tribute to, to Celtic's greatest ever captain who will definitely never um, be forgotten um, so, so we'll move on um, to, to January departures So I think Brian will come to you first in this, but there's been so much chat around Josip Juranovic um, you know, people jumped right to conclusions the other night when Canada went 1-0 up against Croatia, that'll be his value half, of course they went on to win the game 4-1, he was up against the top player in Alfonso Davies in that left-hand side um, but Gracia got the job done he's the one who everybody's been chatting about but a, a person who I think would have been interested in this conversation would have been Cameron Car- Vickers had he played for the USA I think if you're at a World Cup and you're you know, on that platform people are going to look at you um, and Aaron Moy in Saturday it was some performance too for him, I don't think you're going to get a big money move for him um, but there's some Celtic players certainly giving a decent account their themselves at this level
4: Absolutely and I think even at the start of the season in the summer which was linked to I think Chelsea and Man United at one point mm. so you knew it probably wasn't long for the Celtic ranch to be honest um, and I think we spoke about it before on the podcast and I think where ranch is going to get it right is capitalising when there's a big money uh, offering and I think that's the right way to go about it um, I think if we get 20 million which I think should be a minimum for a player that's played at the World Cup at his age um, and we've him for three at 17 million profit is insane I mean that that's absolutely excellent and you know what Ange could do with even half of that money we saw it so I think that you know guys like that are, and the age is it as well probably like I think he's 27 now so you're imagining what his next big move is it's probably his last big move really mm. so you think it's probably the right time to, to move on Got to see him go absolutely love him um and i know he's not officially away yet but all signs are that he's going to especially um alistair um coming in who has the worst poker face in the world i saw the thing on twitter when he was interviewed and he was just rubbish at it um and i've got some days i'd be like that as well and i can not keep it in too excited um so you're right
1: mobile phone companies say they offer home internet
4: Um, again, age, profile, his family's in Glasgow, I think he's quite happy there. Um, delighted, Carter Vickers didn't he play, if I'm honest, because he's one of the bedrocks where, and I'm going to slightly contradict myself because I've said there's no many players that I don't think Ange can be trusted to replace, but there's certain players like Carter Vickers, McGregor, who I think are a real, real hard find and they're so unique that I think they could get replaced, but... That would be a real, real. That would make me nervous. Whereas Juranovic, for all is good. I trust the judgment that the Canadian guy coming in is going to, going to do well. Um, so yeah, so I think, I think it's good business. So he goes, if I'm honest, especially the fact that we're getting um, the Canadian and Arsenal, who has looked great. For, I mean, I've not watched much of the World Cup, but I've saw that like everybody else, I've been a YouTube scout um, when you were linked to him. So, so that's been good. I've just got to, uh, one quick point going back to what I saying about the, the charity single, the Axel charity single. Paul knows what I'm going to say. <laughs> so we've got some very talented people at Axel, as we know. So Paul sent the, the charity single around to the team tried to, have to have a listen. So I was like, that's brilliant stuff, right? And the lead singer I thought was Paul because the accent sounds quite like him. So I made his point Paul. Paul, what a voice you've got, Phil! That's absolutely brilliant. Paul, did they tell me otherwise? <laughs> I've been telling people, well, you need to listen to a single... <laughs> Paul, Paul, some talent, way, you hear him. I just let it run gone. for a
3: wee while, Brian. I mean, I let it run for a wee while. <laughs> listen, anybody who was kicking around in, in my era when I was kind of like 17, 18, wanted to be in a band. So we did all that kind of stuff. And I can guarantee you, I cannot hold a tune. Uh, so when somebody says to me, oh, you're some singer, I would, I, listen, I'm taking that. I'm taking that, even though it only lasted a couple of weeks.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you managed to keep it running for a wee while longer. So, I mean, it did
4: Absolutely. The oh,
2: yeah. But, you know, Paul, you know, with Yuranovich, I think the flip side of this is Celtic's business to get people tied down in long-term contracts. And right away, that the, the, the curveball back into the mix around him was, you know, he's contracted to Celtic till, I think, 2026. I think he'd signed a five-year deal. So even though what Brian says is absolutely bang on, that at 27, you're probably looking and thinking this will be... Possibly has maybe last, or, or stepping stone, big money move. He's still a Celtic player for a long time, and that's been something that I'm glad Celtic have got their act um, together with as these long-term deals. Because you look at other clubs who have got 12, 14 players out of contract. It was us before Ange came in. You don't want that situation repeating yourself. You need to learn those lessons. And it's important that we've got guys like Juranovic and others down in these long-term contracts.
3: I just think, Declan, it's... it's- a lot easier to analyse what we were doing before versus obviously how it's changed because we were very, very critical particularly in that final season where it all went wrong. We were very critical um, about the way we were doing business and actually I think it's sometimes difficult to be critical when Things are are apparently going well And you're winning league after league Treble after treble Because I remember back in 2017 Kevin Graham was like the prophet of doom And uh, he would come in and say There's loads of things not right at the club And he would get dogs abuse for that so it is difficult to stand up and say, actually, there's things we can do a lot better. But what we have done since, obviously, the old guard have moved on is we've completely changed our approach to recruitment. Like you say, we've got a guy there in Juranovic that well, I'm now quite comfortable. I don't think I was at the beginning of the season because Amy and I did a, a Monday bulletin and I was saying this is going to be uh, the first season you know we have not we've not sold a big asset. And, um, you know, we were trying to say, well, it's the first season we've not sold an asset and it's the first season in five that uh, we're going to be hearing the Champions League music. And, and there's a correlation between that. But now, sitting here, moving into the January transfer window, I'm, I'm comfortable enough with the fact that if Jiranovic goes and like Brian says, we'll get the right fee from him because we've got him on that, that long-term contract, Declan. Um, and we've already got the boy lined up. It's a complete turnaround to what we were doing before. I just think we became complacent. You know, we we knew that uh, if we threw enough targets at a board, a couple of them would hit hit, uh, treble
2: 20. You know, I think that's what it was. And and it worked. It worked before. Yeah, I think the the difference is now that we're being active rather than reactive. We're getting the business done before anybody leaves the club. It gives you that bedding in period that you maybe didn't get before. You're not rushing about, you know on a, a deadline day to, to really bring in somebody that's going to be a first-team player. Um, I know we brought Oliver Abelgard in late during the summer window, but you know he's not really been a first-team player for us at all. So we're not in that situation anymore. We were last year, you know. But I hate to think what would have happened. We not bring, brought Cameron Carter-Vickers in on deadline day last year. Um, I really hate to think what would have happened there, but it's completely changed. And to bring Paul in the comments and he says... The difference is our players don't want to leave like they used to. There's something special happening at Celtic at the moment and the likes of CCV and Jota want to be part of it. Brian, do you think that's just down to you know, that, that goal of you win the league, you're in the Champions League and that's just where players want to be, that the, the pathway's there to play at that top level when you don't have, you don't need to worry about going through these qualifiers anymore if you win the league title?
4: I think it's a factor. I actually think that the sort of, what, if you look at sort of football landscape there now, Players are developing, and this, this is where I think the SPFL teams get it wrong, right? Set it aside, if you look at developing players and selling them, you have to sell them in a style that's going to fit them into most like richer clubs. So they've got to be playing really good football, really fast football, they've got to be very athletic. And these are all the things that we do really well We our players. So if you look at, like, say, Jota, he's coming to play in a team that is playing very exciting, very attractive football every good player, especially flair ones, want to play a part in that. If mm. you're younger guys like in O'Reilly, like in a they're getting all the skills they are going to need to fit straight into a, 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 a richer league in and in a, a different club because they're playing that one touch, they're playing fast. They're no, and even in Europe, they're no sitting back retaining behind the ball and hoping, and then they go to, say, a club in England and they can't quite keep up with the pace. They're not with the athleticism. They're getting all that here. So if you're a young player, you know, and it's not said it necessarily been a stepping stone, but if you're a younger player and you're coming to an environment where clearly there's a good culture at the club because you can tell the players got on each other. And just very careful with signing people, as he says no players, so you can tell there's like, there's like a good there's like a good group of lads at that club. Mm-hmm. So you get into your work every day, you're playing with people you like, you're playing the type of football you like, you're getting the lessons that are going to um holding in great stead for the rest of your career. And you can do that in Europe as well. That's an incredibly attractive proposition for any young player. No just the fact you're getting to do it at a club like Celtic with that fan base and, and that level of support. I mean, you're, you're iconic if you're doing well. They're all massive, massive factors that make Celtic really attractive. And don't get me wrong, Domain, be, I think there'll be players like, I think like McGregor, Forrest, Ralston, um, even Taylor that I think will beat Celtic long term. But there'll always be that influx and outflux of players that's going to happen. And I think that, I saw somebody in the comments say that saying that it's a shame that we have to be selling players. I don't think we do necessarily have to. I think it's really clever business. Like Igranovic, you could keep him till his contract runs out. But if you get that much more money, sell him and keep improving the squad, keep reinvesting in scouting, keep reinvesting in infrastructure. It's as a, as a business, it's a great business model. It is. And as I've said before, I don't think, you know, I, I, I said in the podcast before, when I first Uh, first joined Axel that our transfer policy was like, you know, the Argos catalogue. We're just flicking through and going, like, he looks alright, he looks alright, he looks alright in signing players. Um, And it was like the the Asda orders where you get a couple of subs because you get the ones you liked. So you do that one instead and we're hoping for the best. We're signing the players and hoping two were good. But we're actually doing the same transfer policy. We're just doing it the best version of it. We're still signing these young guys that nobody's really heard of. We're signing them cheap. But, Saying the type of people we like and the type of players that can fit a system so they immediately going to be benefiting the club, and so we're seeing the best version of that. I think that's the way we have to be moving forward,
2: yeah. And just that point, I think Paul, you know, staying one, one step ahead of the game, which Brian says that you know, a guy like Uranovic, who have said I think is contracted to 2026, you know, be fair to one by that point in time. But we've saw what happens with guys like Ryan Christie, Olivier and Cham, who we could have received significant fees for, go out the door for. for for Patten's. um, especially Ryan Christie being one of those guys, mm. guys like Iyer and Edward who wanted to to leave the club too. You don't want to create that situation, and you know I think as Brian says, it's a good system as long as you you use it to to your um, your advantage. It's just something I've just not been doing. I think back to to Keane Tierney going out the door for twenty five million quid, and we bought two players, and and it was two players who you know, volleyball and had played. Europa League football, but it wasn't tried and tested. He played a lot of wing back. He wasn't coming in to initially do that for Celtic. Taylor, who had watched it Kilmarnock at the time, we knew he was half decent, but was he going to slot right in and be a, a you know first team pick right away? I, I don't think so at that point in time. So it's about having that system where in the January you go out, you buy a O'Reilly, Maeda and Hitati, and they just slot right into your team.
3: Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. And you know, I pitched something yesterday, Declan, right? And I would be interested to hear your thoughts because I don't rate Ryan Porchis. And I said this mm-hmm, yesterday, yeah. I don't rate him, right? Mm. I've, I've never rated him. I've been vocal about it on here. And um, people disagree with that. A lot more people agree with me. But when you put that out as a debate, people think automatically, oh, you're saying that because you want Celtic to sign him. I don't. What I was trying to get at, and the, the, the discussion I had with Liam, delved into this is that as well as the the transfer strategy that we have I think there's also a situation where as post is looking at right where's my next three or four guys coming through the academy system and he's looking at a team that's playing in the fifth year of Scottish football and I don't think he um, reckons that enough of them are ready to step up and there has to be we know there has to be a quota of homegrown players Uh, four of them I think can come through your own academy four from other academies Mm -hmm. and so you've got eight guys in a a Champions League squad that we'll be announcing obviously next season and there may be I'm not saying there will be but there may be a thought process whereby we're looking at some of the guys that are leaving Scottish football for pretty minimal fees when you look at some of them. And again, I'm not saying we should have signed Lewis Ferguson or we should have signed Joyce Dogg. Joyce Dog, uh, Dog? <laughs> You know who I mean. Josh Doig. Um But these guys have moved on, and Aaron Hickey be another one who we tried to sign. Mm-hmm. They've moved on and already... Hickey has got a massive move to to Brentford There's talk that Doig's on the move in January And also already talk that Juventus might even be interested in Ferguson And I think we're looking at the Scottish market Because why not? Because it's an option. So why would we say, right, we we can tap into all these various markets which we've done so, so well and ignore the Scottish market? I don't think we can do that. And that's why I said, you know, the the latest in the line of young players coming through that's caught the eye of uh, quite a lot of teams is Ryan Porches. Will Celtic be interested? The vast majority of Celtic fans said we shouldn't go near him. But um, if Welsh leaves in January, and there's a chance he might, then is he an upgrade? Is he no better than Welsh? And that was the debate, and I think it's a debate we need to have because the Scottish market has to be considered as well.
2: you should always look for you know players domestically that can add something. I think you know Greg Taylor is a good example of that. Um, you see players that have went out on loan in the league, like I know Tony else is not the best example of it. it. Didn't really thrive at St Johnson or Dundee United, but it's always a market you should consider. I think probably previous we we're looking at it as a market. Of players that were first team ready, which is possibly, probably the wrong thing to do. Um, maybe two, three years ago, you're maybe looking at somebody out of Portis's profile and thinking, it we'll take him and we'll fire him right into the, the starting 11. I don't think that's what we should be doing at all. There's a couple of decent players I think about Petroji that look okay. Um, I think Conor Barron's one of them. I uh, think a decent player. Portis, for me, I wouldn't touch him, but I always think that you should consider the Scottish market. Um, just due to that Champions League squad, as you say, Paul, it's important to do that. And, you know, I think this kind of nicely brings into the mix a guy like Johnny Kenny, who I, I, I take it we're talking about here. We've brought over, he's not Scottish-born. Um, he's playing down for Queen's Park in the Championship, a good Queen's Park side just now, Brian. Um, I, I think this is a, bit, a debate I've had before on you Lawrence, Natasha, Patrick. What is your take on Celtic keeping players within their ranks in the B team, for talking sake? I know Kenny's one of those a wee bit above the age or letting them go and thrive out at a championship side. I know the Cono went to Queen's Park, did well. He's obviously no longer a Celtic player. But is that what we should be looking more to do with some of these guys, do you think?
4: So I've got a kind of... A, I suppose sort a, a different view on it, I think. Practically, it would be better to play at a higher level, right? So you'd assume that going to a championship club or going to somewhere in England would be a better move. However, because... Ange plays such a certain system and he's training such a <clears> way. I don't see the point of players going like, so, for example, Scale's going to Aberdeen. He's playing every week. He's been playing well, right? I still don't think he's going to have a place at Celtic. If we've got a youth player coming through, I think it's better for them under Ange if they're playing and training his way at Celtic where they can see them every day. Because if they go to, say, like a, a Kumarnock or something like that they're not going to be playing the way Celtic play mm-hmm. so even if they come back to Celtic they need to change and adapt and that anyway instead of being retrained really for the start and I don't think it especially helps them that being said I don't think I think when our players get to about 19 maybe 20 if they're not playing anywhere near the first team they should just go because I don't see them breaking out at that stage and I think that when you look at the fact we're saying the guy Kobayashi 22 left centre back it probably means Welsh is away. If you look at the replacement, Boston log has been kind of there or thereabouts. Mm. There's no reason to send anybody else if he's there. If you do send somebody else, then just let them go. The academy system has you know, been working for a long time and a lot of people have been, I don't know what but saying, oh, we should get more players on, get more players on. But the players aren't there. The players aren't there that are good enough to come in and do a job. Mm-hmm. There's no yeah. point in putting them on. I think your academy system is going to get better. I think playing, as I say, training the first team train, with the first team, training with the first team and playing that style will help them longer term. Especially the guys at 15, 16, 17, 18. But guys 21, 22, 23, there's no, if they're not playing now, they're not going to play. Um, so Kenny, it'll be interesting to see. I think he's still pretty young. Mm. I actually think he's done pretty well in pre-season. He's very fast. I think he would fit into the system fairly well. So you might see him but well, the academy season is going to take a long while to fix. It's not going to be, I don't think, maybe another three, four years before you see, you know, academy guys coming through into the first team. But I think longer term, that will be the plan. So you can go to the academy first, then maybe look at Scotland, then maybe look at other leagues, and then see where you end up. In regards to Porteous, I wouldn't say Porteous either. Again, I think he's probably past that point of, I think he's, he's like 23 now, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. I, don't think, I think Welsh is probably a better player, <clears throat> and Welsh isn't going to be the answer moving forward by the looks of it. I'm a bit disappointed, actually, with Welsh Coach because I do like him. I think he's a bit underrated, um, but it is what it is. And I think I've said before, Ange is, as much as he's Ange and we love him, he's ruthless. And if you think there's a better player there, or you're not quite at the level, you're off. And I think what we may be in for in the summer is. You know, someone who you think, is unsellable getting sold? You know, maybe that'd be like a Kyogo or a Hitati or Yakimakis. Some of these players, I think, if he thinks of someone who can do a better job, I think you'll say no problem. I think he sees the club as far bigger and far more important than individual players. And until the academy system is up to a point where they can walk straight in on their thereabouts, I don't think you you see it.
1: Um, <laughs> Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet.
5: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
2: And that talks about the evolution that he you know continually bangs on about. It's why Harry Cole comes in, Stephen McMahon said a good job as a first team coach. And that's he what right? he had. No, of course not.
4: That's why it takes nope. years before you see it. But I
2: think, you know, in terms of, like, guys, like, you know, Abada's another example of a young player coming in, you know, t- to me, the, what kind of signal that sense to the guys in the B team just now is, you know, we can go out and buy somebody who's first team ready to bring into the squad development and, and be better than what we've probably already got in our ranks, which is a, a, a real shame that that's the case just now, but we're, you know, taking guys like Abada and Kobayashi, O'Reilly's another one, he's only 22, who are around about that age, but you've kind of talked about Brian, who's, maybe sent off to a Queen's Park or a Kilmarnock, um, and of course, as a flip side of it, you know, Carlo McGregor didn't make his way into the Celtic <coughs> first team till late after going down to Notts County and whatever else. You don't want to say just get her out the door um, for the sake of it. I think it's interesting that we've sent Mikey Johnson out to a team who, you know, are at the top end of the Portuguese league. I think, you know, that ties in with what you were saying earlier that if you're maybe thinking about a potential future for them, you know, Skills going to Aberdeen and defending. A lot, you know, compared to having a lot of time in the ball that he'd maybe have ourselves isn't going to be the right fit, and you're basically needing to retrain him. But it's interesting because we've seen players like Ayer come on up, come back in, do the job, be ready made, fine. Um, there's some in the B team like Rocco Vata who I would like to see possibly get that chance in, but as you say, I don't think it's a quick fix for us at all.
4: Look, look at yeah. Ralston, you mentioned Ralston and as an example earlier. He didn't impress anybody really when he was at mm. St. Johnston and Dundee United and in theory that's the right move sending so, you know, him the same standard of the league and then look at the difference in them training the way Celtic to you know Angie's coaching he looks at like a different player and actually another reason why I don't think people are too upset about Juranovic potentially going is because Ralston's really good I think Ralston's probably been better than Juranovic this season if I'm honest I think Juranovic a better player but I think he, I think ralston has been better so and that's kind of where I'm thinking like if and you can coach Ralston to that level and you can coach the younger guys to that level is it worth sending them you know, to Derek mm-hmm. McKinnis a year are they going to get coached the same way I don't see it so that's where that's where I'm kind of I'm obviously differently and I think that's going to be what the strategy is whether it works or not we'll, we'll find out due course I think the uh, the, the,
3: the ideal scenario would be and I think that the only reason why we've got a B team in the pyramid is because Celtic will want them in the highest level of that pyramid as possible eventually and there's been loads of kind of roadblocks in the way that getting them in the league was was a roadblock um, and that's why they're in the fifth tier eventually I think Celtic Rangers hearts these teams will want their coach teams to get promoted they want that to be introduced eventually so that they are playing at championship level no higher unless obviously um, Hearts get relegated or something they can't play in the same league as the, the parent club so until such times that that happens because there's no way I'm sorry no disrespect to the, the league there's no way you can pluck somebody out of tier five and put mm. them in your first team. So it's not going to work until such times as the B teams in the championship. But in the meantime, why not look at um, kind of nursery clubs? A lot of the big clubs do it. Uh, and basically what will happen is loan deals on you know an annual basis, three or four of them go to the same club. And within that club, there is an understanding of the, the philosophy and the style of the first team at Celtic. And you just got to look at players um, that are in our team that have come through the ranks. Some of the big clubs who are brilliant at at nurturing talent, um, who have nursery clubs, who then sell their their talent on and make huge profits on them, are Ajax and Partizan Belgrade. And they two teams are looking at you having played 100 first-team games by the age of 21. Now, how many really how many players have we had that in the last 10, 20 years I think Tierney might have done it James Forrest um, I think he was about 22 by the time he hit the 100 mark as you said uh, Declan Carl McGregor makes his debut at 21 for Celtic mm. so we're miles away we're miles away from what is seen as a European standard but I think everything we're doing even though it's going to take a while like getting the coach team in the league is with a view to having almost our own nursery club in the league and if you're playing in the Championship the step up's going to be much I'm not going to say easier but five 5 divisions it's too many the other thing I was going to say about uh, Luca Connell and Johnny Kenny first one with Luca Connell I think there's no doubt in his ability but his pace wasn't there so he was no. never going to come back to Celtic um, and Kenny what I would be wanting even though he's 19 I'd be wanting him to make an impact and he's not making an impact at the Championship level so to think that he's going to come back to Celtic and make an impact I think it's not going to happen.
2: No, I, I don't see him as if yet you know, been anywhere near that level. I think it's important that you give guys that opportunity to train and play. Obviously, the few of them went over to to Oz with, with the first team and whatnot. But you know, you know, for me, a team like Queens Park can like I the ideal place that you could maybe be looking at there's obviously close ties there um, b- between individuals who are at Celtic and at Queens Park and it would be the worst place to be looking at. Um, you know, Glasgow-based clubs who are on the eyes just now and are playing good football in the Championship uh, certainly be a place I'd be looking at to try and do. But I think, you know, either it the mix, Paul, the UEFA Youth League I think it has been really, really important. I know somebody said that in the comments there. Um, I think that also lets some of these guys have a taste of what what they're really up against when you're playing against uh, elite young players. Um, you know, your guys from Madrid and Leipzig particularly this season Um and they got a result over in Germany. So I think that's also an important factor in this for some of the young players are getting that chance to play at that level. But again, it's not consistent enough. You're going to get six games at that and that'll be it.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, the big thing for me as well with regards to the European League, I do think back to the team that i seen and were playing sport in Lisbon. They were playing the games no far from yourself, Declan, for how at the time. Mm. Um, was that not the... That generational thing that Mark Warburton came up with, I think he was involved in it before he got a managerial job. Might have been you. And and when you look at that team, it was the lack of those players that actually came through at Celtic. I think Daniel Fisher came through. <coughs> by the way, an absolute standout that night. He came through. But, you know, it goes back decades. We've just never nurtured it. Um, and every so often you'll get a Kieran Tierney or an Aidan McGeady or maybe a Sean Maloney who comes through, you sell him on, and then it washes away the last 10 years of never doing that with a player. You know what I mean? It's almost like, right, we've justified the academy for another 10 years because we've made a profit on a homegrown player. And I don't think that's good enough. No. See, the no, thing as
4: think... well, like, if you look at it from, you know the club's perspective, unless... Because you're right, Paul, about finding that that influx of, of talent and the kind of special talents, right? But see... Because in the comments, you see it every day, some people want us to spend £40 million every year on players. Some people say, bring youth players through. And that's wildly different reactions. It's always that creation would you take three years of playing youth players and no having success, tend to have long-term success? Or need instant success, in which usually you buying players And there's no point having an academy? Now, that's two extremes. And the, getting that right is probably the hardest thing in football, especially at a club at Celtic to get these players to come through but always be winning like I think you spoke before and there's been a couple of things that say like Vata for example who's been on the bench mm. and you think right we're seeing it up against St. Johnston at home why not give him 15 minutes at the end right that would be something that you start to feed players through ain't you? but then the flip side of that is I think him and Abada are the same age is he better than Abada obviously not so is it do they deserve to play? Or are we just playing because he's one of the youngsters that's nearly there? So it's a hard balancing act, as I say. I think, historically, the criticism of the, the academy and the way things we've done is absolutely right because it's not been done well for, I don't know, how many years, really. But under Ange, he's only been here two years. It's going to take, you know, we need to be, you have that sort of almost business continuity and sort of run that through and then they may start filtering in. Yeah. But I think, you know, let's say Ben Doak, for example, I think he'd have played a, a decent part this season if he'd have stayed. I think Ange fancied him and he put him in a few times. And I think that's a damning indictment the players that players are there because Ange shown shown he will play players. If he thinks they're good enough, mm-hmm. the fact that they're not playing, it it's, it's probably, probably shows you their future.
2: Yep, that's been something in the comments that somebody's picked up on Marty here saying that we've had four or five huge prospects in the last two, three years in the ready up at City. Liverpool and Bayern—that's a huge problem. Obviously, Held, I think another one either to at to that makes can do it.
3: Leeds United. Um, I was just going to throw in there yeah. talking about Held, right? Um, we were doing it at the award ceremony two weeks ago. I think it was Declan and Emma Jones joined us at the table. Now, obviously, Emma works for Leeds United TV, yeah. and um, it was the busiest table of the night. That's all I'm going to say. With people coming to get selfies and all that kind of stuff, and all I wanted to talk. Kind about, about no, you were was... that popular, Paul. <laughs> well, nah, right stars, wonder, Certainly what, was what me But the only thing I was interested in speaking to her about Was Leo Held So she must have thought I was a proper anorak Which indeed
2: I am yeah, I absolutely. didn't even get a selfie Nah, well Did you, get, did, did, did you request one or did she request one so this is where the balance is to be with these things, you know <laughs> I, I would never I've not, I don't think I've ever taken a selfie I don't think mm. But kind of moving away from Celtic youth system and kind of scouting the, the global reach on it, I know this was something I would mentioned to you earlier on, Paul was I'm quite excited with the markets that we're still looking at and exploring um, Brian I'll come to you on this one first we've went to MLS before and we signed Andrew Goodman and Manny Perez who just disappeared off the face of the earth I think, Andrew Goodman actually plays for Atalanta United who are the club that Dave Cormack owns at Aberdeen, I think he's out playing there um, it's been a league that we've explored before obviously both those guys never made an impact Kobayashi we've went back to the G League to, to bring a player from there in it really excites me that there's still untapped markets that, that we're going in the direction of and the fact we're now in the North America market with Alistair Johnson is also really interesting
4: Absolutely and it's again it kind of goes back to my, my earlier sort of run and that guys like, like Goodman and stuff we've seen they were decent players but there was no sort of body fit in the system the right type of people, Will they fit into the culture, how does a play match your style? There was no consideration for that. It was just they like a good player, these young sign them. Whereas now, I think it's a lot, a lot more calculating, and we can see these markets and say, right, he's got the attributes, not just as a footballer, but as a person. they fit our system and our sort of uh, type. And I think with the North American, what you get with that is you get a real winners mentality in these players. It's it's just American culture. They're, they're so big on you know. Pro athletes, you know, they're, they're massive on it and they're super fit. They really want to work hard. They want to improve and they're ambitious. And I think these are really good metrics for to bring players in. Um, as I say, I think you look at these, these, these markets we're potentially going and it's just clever business. Like, mm. I think I, I was talking about it on Friday, maybe, And we will talking about the Champions League, <coughs> and, stuff. and I said, I'd rather invest that into scouting and putting guys into these different leagues in these different countries and seeing what's there because there is just a, a, a world of talent like look at the boy um, Shakhtar Mudrik he's going to be an absolute superstar we could have, like two years ago we could have spotted that potential and got him for about a million quid do you know what I mean like there's, there's players there that if you, you're quick enough you can find them so I think scouting is really important and I think that it almost doesn't matter what league it is so, the American League, people are well, signing guys from America, signing guys from Japan, blah, 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 but it's the individual, and I think the, the faith we can have now is, if I'm signing these guys, you know, if 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 Angie's first signing, would have been this boy from Canada, people would have went, shouted <clears throat> doing it the cheap again, this is rubbish. Mm-hmm. Look at it now, now we're going, Angie knows this guy, he's done the little oral copy. Do you see what I mean? It's it's such a different way of doing it, and it's, it's credit in the bank for, for the big fella, because he's He's transferred record, maybe James McCarthy at the Gucci aside. um, It's been absolutely exceptional.
3: Without a doubt. There's one thing that comes to my mind, Declan, is uh, Andy Lynch, obviously. Spent a lot of time with Andy, and he was speaking about. Uh, obviously, he was part of the NASL, but the team that he was a player manager for was the Montreal Manique So at that time, he lived in Canada, hence the reason why Simon Lynch um, was born there. And he was talking to me about the the good, the bad, and ugly of the NASL. And the one big thing he always said was um, they didn't. There it is. There's the book right there. Hoop Stars and Stripes. Nice plug. Um, and he said that what they didn't do right is they didn't have that infrastructure in, in place whereby they were producing their own players. They didn't have the academies. And actually, they weren't really interested in doing it back then. Um, and as we all know, that they, they were all about just buying the best players from world football. And that's why George Best, Johan Cruyff, mm-hmm. Pele, they all went over uh, to play uh, in Bobby the ASL. No. For Don't forget Bobby. Bobby and Jinky, Jinky mm-hmm. went over for a spell. Um, but interesting enough, it, that came to my mind when we started getting in, um, this kind of interest in and link to Alistair Johnson because he, he obviously plays for Montreal. And I was just thinking back to what Andy says, but it's taken a whole generation for them to get that right. And now, when we're interested in players from these markets, we shouldn't be surprised because I'll tell you what, the gap between when Andy was there in the 1980s and where we are now has Absolutely Shortened You know If you were to take An 18 year old From Montreal And compare him To an 18 year old From Glasgow You know What's the difference These days But 40 years ago There was a huge difference
2: Yeah and you know I was reading something The other day And it said Out with the, the top Five leagues In European football That the most Of them, the players That's went to this World Cup Are from the MLS Which talks volumes About you know the, the calibre of player there and I think that that breeds in well to, to what we're after But we, we want players coming in with that bit of experience that they can play at the top level play against good sides and you know Brian when you're looking at Johnson 33 caps or something here take um, someone in the comments to say at 24 years old that's impressive and he believes that Canada are a good team he's playing alongside someone in Alfonso Davies who's a superstar and we know his qualities he's younger than than, than Johnston, but you know Davies is a superstar at, at Bayern Munich that these are the type of players that you should be trying to get. And again, I was talking to a Canadian journalist yesterday who's basically said that Johnson fits the Celtic profile perfectly. If he's got 15 minutes with the press, he'll sit with him for an hour. He's approachable. He's a really nice guy. And whatever else, So everything about this move just seems to be perfect for us.
4: Well, exactly. And that's what I am saying earlier. We're we're doing these things right now because these profiles fit us exactly. It's not just a player we have to sign. What... I mentioned we were talking about Arthur Johnson on, on Friday. The fact he's 24, I felt, was, was a wee bit unusual, just because I felt like we should probably start... That, that's the only. It's not a negative, but it's the only thing I think we need to improve on is maybe signing guys a wee bit younger.
1: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox.
5: Not just a media company. iHeart Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: And, and get them. So, as Paul said, they've played 100 games between their 21-22. In fact, 33 caps for Canada. it's already made replacement for Janovich, you would suggest. Competition for Ralston. I think it's a, a really good buy. But, again, it's, it's no... And, again, it comes. It does come down to Ange. It what be we slice it because there's a reason... He's signing specifically these guys it's because they fit the system, they're you know affordable and they seem like good people, and that's that's the difference to, to previous years. Um, and as you say, the fact that he's playing at a world cup against good opponents, um, and playing alongside great players can only be the benefit of Celtic longer term.
3: One other yeah. wee thing, a wee link back to Billy McNeil at Bells Hill, uh, Declan. They... The copper who was meant to be uh, looking after all the all the police was Lex Bailey. <clears throat> um, and at the last minute that was changed. But Lex Bailey's based there, apparently. And it brings to mind that, you know, uh, back in the day when he was at Celtic, I, th- I know the record books say that he signed for Toronto Blizzard. But what actually happened was um, Billy McNeil had played with Tony Taylor uh, McNeil was a young player coming through Tony Taylor was one of the more senior players who actually left for Crystal Palace and he was coaching over in Canada and he did a deal to get Lex Bailey over there to get game time so there was a guy who couldn't get a game for Celtic but he went over to Toronto Blizzard and starred because they, they didn't have that that uh, you know uh, youth set up where they could bring in a, a centre half of their own but it's gone full circle now and actually if we don't watch what we're doing at, at Celtic and you know uh, we need you know we could be left behind when it comes to youth talent because th- there's no there's absolutely no coincidence that we haven't been able to bring the players through for that period and we've lost all those players that the commenter mentioned earlier because we have there's a whole team of them i think yeah. you could throw even dembélé into that mix you know he didn't get enough game time he's away he's playing football in france so uh, i think we'll come to rue that in, in years it- to come
2: and it's about spotting that. Tyler Erle, Donnie's come in here in the comments to say, we like Buchanan for Canada, pretty direct and not fair to take on a player. Tijon Buchanan's at Brood just now, who at this point in time have got a much better track record of bringing youth players through and has been tipped for a £20 million move um, elsewhere. So even think like, that's important at the point you get in here. And it's also quite interesting, bang, you know, you're you talking about getting in at the right time, the age, the, the, the player that hatatis. Almost similar to Johnson and that they've both came through their university systems in their respective countries. They've still got that wee bit of development mm. to go, but they're both first team ready players for us.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I say I think that's probably that's where it, it differs slightly with some of the, the, the leagues, I suppose, as you say, the, the university system and things like that. I mean Hatati's only been professional for what, two years or something? Is that right? Yeah.
2: Yep, two years.
4: Yep. So, I mean, I mean, that's that's insane. So, I suppose you have to caveat that when you're dealing with AG3 players coming in. Um, but again, it just shows that, you know, you mentioned Club Bruges. So, they're, they're, they're in a position where they've been bringing through youth and online and that sort of thing. They're making loads of money off it, which then means they can get maybe a couple of marquee players and stuff. And I think that's what Celtic have been trying to do for a long time, but it's not been quite working. And I feel like over the next five to ten years, as long as Celtic have modernised appropriately and are going to keep that continuity and that sort of system in place, like post-Ange, then we should be, there's no reason we shouldn't be able to do that. And then I know a lot of people say get players ready so they can go straight into the Champions League. But then if you bring new players through, they can play in the Champions League. Surely that's the goal. Because mm-hmm. then you become sustainable. A la like an Ajax, like a Spartak, like a Club Bruges, like whoever. So I think that's a long-term game. And I think I think that's what Andrew rather do. I think that seems to be, I think he's sort of said that before. I think that's the
2: plan. But again, it's just going to take a, a while to get there. But we're on the right track. Yeah, I think we are. And we I are think on the right you, track. You look at the kind of the, the bigger picture of it, all it's almost as if just now this season in the Champions League, players within our side were kind of taking those scalps first Champions League level to get used to it, get that experience of it, and then we're all hoping progress next season. Whereas if you're looking at you know, internationals who are playing at a World Cup or whatever, coming in at your side, played Concaf, which um, is another tournament that I think will prepare you pretty well for, for Scottish football. Um, you're bringing in guys that can just assimilate absolutely perfectly, that they, they won't be inexperienced at playing a top level or up against, you know, quality opposition. So uh, it's one, I think that I'm excited about. And also, Paul, can I bring, see into this conversation that Johnson's got as his versatile, which Taksibanovic is too. That we're bringing in players that are not just, you know, a right winger, and that's it. Haxebank, you know, can play either side of the wing, can play as the number ten. Alistair Johnson can feature as the right side of the, a back three, can play right wing back, and he's also played the other side. So I, again, I think that's important in terms of your overall squad going forward. Totally.
3: It's, you look at some of the signings, um, the adaptability of Matt O'Reilly when Callum McGregor gets injured, you know, Jota and Maeda being able to switch wings, Bader can switch wings. All three of them can play through the middle. Uh, apparently, Hatati can play left back. So you start yeah. asking yourself, is this something that Ange wants? He wants something to have two or three rather than just having this fixed position. Because I, I was taken by surprise maybe I shouldn't have been with, with Matt O'Reilly's uh, performances since... Callum McGregor, uh, has been out of the side as well. Um, I'm just wondering, Deke, if you want to have a wee chat about Morton because there are a couple of wee links to Morton, Celtic links, um, and obviously we've just drawn
2: them in the Scottish Cup. Yeah, Bill, after um, Air Pollock last night, which I think one of our Axome contributors, Jim had Ador- Jim headed down to. Um, yeah, so we've been drawn against Morton. Obviously, the, the immediate link there is Effie Ambrose, who's been a standout uh, since, since joining them. So he'll be returning back to Celtic Park
3: he's
4: found his
2: level. Well, well, maybe you, know, you never know. Why. I used to quite. Brian, like
3: what what age do you think Kefi is? I was looking at this yeah. this morning.
4: I I think he's younger than I think he is. I think he's maybe only 32, 33 He's thirty two
3: because I was oh, surprised I, at I that
4: that. He was younger than I thought. Like, yeah. I thought he was he's a lot older old right enough,
3: <laughs> 32 <laughs> years of age Big F he's still doing that front flip And um, When I had a wee look at him Obviously You know Since he left Celtic He's played for quite a few Scottish clubs hasn't he Ooh, Livingston was the one I remember Most nah, obviously. The Pars Played with the players, yep. um, St. Johnson and now Morton. But you know what happens, right? You draw Morton and instantly, I think, right, remember when we drew them in the cup uh, back in 2013 and it was the League Cup third round and they beat us 1-0 after extra time. Dougie Emery scored the goal. I'm going to read you the Celtic starting lineup, guys, just so that you can go away from this bulletin, safe in the knowledge that we're in much better shape. Here we go. Zaluska, Ambrose, Van Dyke, Mulgrew, and Lustig Beaton Brown Borichter Borichter McGeeoch Rogic and puki and Morton pumped us in e- after extra time there's one for the, the wee guy on Twitter that's doing the Neil Lennon facts the manager was Neil Lennon that day yeah
2: nice one I remember that game well because it was a freezing it was a cold cold night and uh, again these these cup ties early on are always not Very well attended, so there's more seats around you and know, whatever else, and it makes you feel even colder. And it was a cold, cold night. And do you say that was 2013, Paul? Nine years ago, mate. Yeah, so Nine I would have school ago. the next morning, so the 4 extra the time <laughs> um, wasn't something that I think I a, I a shift,
3: about. I had a shift to go to the next morning. Um, but also, the other thing I was going to say is just before we came on, Declan, I, I seen a story there breaking that apparently Morton are interested in giving Lee Griffiths a lifeline.
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting one because obviously he's been training with Livingston hasn't he um, McGee another one who's been been training there he's went down south to I think Forest King Rovers mm-hmm. um, it's an interesting one because Morton are, are charting the door to, to obviously try and get into the the Premiership this season they've had a really good start to the season you know for teams to win leagues you want players who scored goals we know that Griffiths can do that on his past form whether he's still got it just now, you know, I think it was yet to, to be seen. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because, you know, I think from Morton's perspective, it's either winner bust with that kind of sign and the leader come in, hit the ground run and score goals for the or he'll, he'll cause more problems than he's probably worth.
3: They tried it with Gary O'Connor, remember, yeah, uh, when remember. Shields was in, in charge. I mean, again, just now you look at this before... Coming on, obviously, he's the same age as F.A. Ambrose, by the way, Brian, 32. Um, and since leaving Celtic, he's played for Dundee, Falkirk and Mandura City. Uh, last game he played for Celtic was on the 24th of July, 2021. Seems like a lot longer ago than that, 2021. And, and I'll tell you what, in the 18 months since then, his career has nosedived. He's been in free fall. So who knows? Wish him all the best if he does get a contract.
4: Yeah, it's we'll scary isn't how quickly, quickly it can change for Players and I think it's, it's one of the things. Sometimes we, um, sometimes as fans, we don't consider. A lot of things, but you know, I remember when Kieran Tierney left, and some people still hate Kieran Tierney for leaving Celtic. And it's like you need to remember as a as a, a, a short player for these guys, and it can it can turn very very quickly. Mm. You know, it can go go wrong a couple of injuries, and, and that's it. So he's got to maximise it. And yeah, I think sometimes we don't really consider that. Sort of I can say the football's the right phrase now it's a bit dramatic but how quickly things can change but as I say look, I'm, I'm happy for anybody that's going to put their life the right way in doing well so if the, the guy gets a good move he back to form good for him Paul
2: Absolutely. just to, to wrap it up did you have a couple of uh, things in a kind of half-term report just kind of short I did <clears questions throat> to yeah
3: it's a half-time half-term uh, kind of report looking at uh, successes and otherwise so I was just going to ask you guys if you were to look at the signings and I always underline the fact that the first three were loans to permanent in Maeda Carter Vickers and Jota on top of that we've also had Segrist Bernabe Moy Haksibanovich and a couple of loanees in Jens and Abelgaard if you were to pick one I'll start with yourself Brian who's been a success so far in the first half of this season from that list
4: Haksibanovich maybe um... Just because I think he's added a little bit something different to the to the front. Um our James, I say I say James um was probably one of the best signings this summer, just because of his bit more stability at the back. So mm-hmm. him or him are we um What
3: <laughs> most people are saying Akshamanovich. Declan, do you agree with that?
2: I think I'll always trying to put into context the importance of Cameron Carter-Vickers which you seen how big a player he was missing to our side when he took that injury um, you know going into the Champions League with Stephen Wilson and Maurice James as your centre half-pair wasn't the, the best of situations I think for us to be in at that point um, obviously with Callum dropping out the team Cam's taking over the, the armband and, oh, there was that video of the huddle and he's not a shooter or whatever else but I think he, he lets his, his football do the talking um, on the park and I just think he's a real rock solid player to us so I, for, for me if it's just based on you know who signed Pembroke I'm going to say Cameron Cutter vickers but I think I'd agree with Brian in terms of potential and what we're going to see to come in the next part of the season See uh, Sietak Sabanovic for me
3: um, <clears throat> There's 10 players out on loan guys Barkas Scales Montgomery Soro Uragide Wiley, Kenny, Ayeti, Shaw and Mikey Johnson. A couple of the guys I've been spoken about today. If one of them's going to come back and be a success at Celtic, Brian, which player is it going to be? Well, it's
4: Barkas, 100%. He's I'm doing alright. Be... Man of the match, uh, it... uh, It's right, uh, they're still going to be hologram hands. He's never coming back, but actually, I don't think any of them are coming back. don't need to be a wee in the mid, but I don't see any of them coming back making a huge impact. Maybe, maybe Montgomery is the one that I, I thought I was a wee bit surprised when he left. I thought he could he could really flourish under range but um, I've been real estate. I don't think anyone coming back.
2: What about your sell deck? I'm going to go with the two that's featured the most under uh, Um Probably I don't want many more than Michael Johnson, but I've been impressed with, with, with Johnson's work attitude and effort out there to Portugal. Um, they're in a good position. I think they're, they're fourth or fifth in the league table just now out there. Um, and he's certainly putting in the performances for there. He's making an impact and a team who are playing attacking football that certainly fits our bill. But Adam Montgomery, uh, I thought, was a decent player when he came in. Under Ange, probably used a bit more than the manager would have liked him, maybe. Um, so, yeah, possibly possibly Adam Montgomery and Michael Johnson. I think if you're looking at age, this is going to be the time. If Michael Jones is going to come back, he needs to make an impact when he comes back. Yeah. Adam Montgomery's probably still at that point with maybe another loan deal. Could benefit him, but I'll, I'll stick with I'll stick with Adam Montgomery.
3: Nice, I would say say the same. Uh, before we get on to Angie's performance, I'm just going to say another Canadian Celtic link has come to mind uh, of, of recent times. I know that there were other ones back in the day, um, but can any of you guys remember Jacob Lensky, who was at Celtic and no. uh, he was from Vancouver. Um, we eventually let him go in 2007. He signed for Feyenoord. He eventually played against us in Europe for Utrecht. Um, I Is think the goalkeeper? He was. He was a midfielder. Okay. And and I remember him doing an interview, uh, and he, he basically he, his attitude was unbelievable. You know, he was talking. About, when you look at him now, he's 33 years of age. He's one of these players, Declan, who probably played 50 odd games in his entire football career and just chucked it. He was really, really highly rated and just didn't have the attitude. And he used to complain about having to wash boots and stuff when he was at Celtic. Uh, nice one, Jacob. Hopefully he's doing well. Um, but the, the final thing I was going to ask you is if we're going to give Ange a grade, because it's a half-term report card, Brian. If you're going to give him a grade, Ange, we're nine points ahead. We're in the semi-final with the League Cup. Yes, we got knocked out in the Champions League, but we've seen off um, a manager of our nearest challengers already. How would you grade it, ATF?
4: Oh, so domestically, an A in Europe, C minus, just which seems harsh because I think the performance was very, very good, but I have to offset that against the actual results. So, C minus in Europe, so. Got well, caveat that I'm be a bit harsh, but a, domestically, nice. What
2: about yourself, Dick? Yeah, I think domestically, you know, pretty much perfect apart from that St. Mon game. Um, it's been a long run of league wins. Um, something that we knew we had to do last season. It's just kind of continued on. I think possibly that St. Mon game, he just he thought that the squad was in a place that it maybe just quite wasn't. Um, I think if he'd have made those changes now, he'd have seen a much better team um, I wanted to throw one Aaron Moy has got the, the second joint most uh, possession one back in that, that group just below Christian Eriksen so it pretty much says something about his World Cup campaign so far I think I'd agree with Brian you know in Europe um, frustration probably more than disappointment just when many chances and whatever we created A minus B plus somewhere about that I think you know domestically top top notch to be nine points clear going at this break was excellent I think we'll come back a different animal um after the break But I think, you know, n- next season we really want to see us Make inroads in European football Which is something he'll want to do So I don't think the big man would give himself an A So I'll go with a B plus
0: There
3: you go DJ Choice goes for a B domestically and a D in Europe Just before you wrap up, deck, I'm going to do a shameless plug Because when I was on the show yesterday There was a delivery Look at that Seven years it's taken to arrive There you go that's the new book The Celtic jersey And in there There are match-worn examples Of every single Celtic jersey Since 1936 Right up to this season Barring three I think Three that I could not find uh, For love nor money And there it is That's the latest um, book Coming from the stable Of a Celtic state of mind from yep, myself
2: So a good day, Christmas present If you haven't already Sorted out One of your nearest and dearest And I don't know Have you hit 20k On YouTube Paul? We are 43 away,
3: Declan, 43 subscribers away on YouTube. So if you're watching this and you haven't clicked on subscribe, we're going to make it as easy as possible. So now all you get on the channel is Celtic content. That's it. We're setting up a separate channel where all the other stuff's going to go on to so that if you don't like notifications about a band or, or a filmmaker or whatever it might be, it'll be on a separate channel. Subscribe to Axom and all you'll get is Celtic content content and also you'll be thrown in a prize draw for two tickets to go and see the Vim Janssen tribute night at the Armadillo in May as well. So yeah, please subscribe. That that helps us
2: a lot. Yep. And if while you're doing there give the video I'll be like too. Um, gents, you're welcome anytime on a Tuesday. Um if the there are troops don't turn up, it's been good to pass the, the last hour with you and as always um, thanks to our usual contributors in the comments. So thank you for watching it's Celtic State of Mind. Thank you.